I'm G, and you're listening to Represented. This is the show where we read books that you probably won't and try to persuade you that you should have. Every month, one of our team will read a book that has been poorly received, at least by the users of goodreads.com. This month, Grace has been reading The Widows of Eastwick by John Updike, which right now has a Goodreads rating of 2.96. Nemo has put together content warnings for this episode, and you can find them in the show notes. And one last thing before we get going, we are doing our first ever live show, and it will be rubbish unless we have an audience. So if you're in London on the 4th of December, and you want to kill a couple of hours without spending any money, come along to West End Lane Books in West Hampstead for half past seven, and you can see us talk for a couple of hours instead of just listening. With that out of the way, here's the show. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for coming for this episode of Represented. Uh, I'm G. I use he, him pronouns. And I want to tell you about the first book I ever chose to read, which is uh, by Brian Jacks. And I think, I can't remember the first, uh, the title of the first book. Uh, it's the Red Wall series. But it was the first book where I was like, yes, this is, this is a thing. Because it's about fantasy animals with swords and there's a badger and a volcano <laughs> and stuff. And, yeah, it's cool. Banjo with a sword called Salomon Dastron. I think that's, that rings a bell. Um, but let's go around the table and, and introduce everybody. So to my left, first of all. All right, no, my name is Tosin. I use he, him pronouns. And, and I, I think the first book that I remember reading, it would have been around about the age of five, because I think I remember I started reading quite, well, compared to people around me, I started reading quite early. And I started like choosing to read books. And it was probably a famous five novel. By, okay. Yeah, by Enid Blyton. So like, you know, I I can never remember which one's which, because all I remember is Karen Island and them and them sort of like cycling around and and we had a TV show because I grew up in Nigeria and we had a TV show, The Famous Five, at that mm. time, which came on very infrequently and we remember this theme song that went like you know. Oh, was it Julian Dick and Anne, George and Timmy the dog? <laughs> yep, that was stick, stuck in there. That was like 40 years ago and it's still in there. But I think it was definitely a famous five. Book, okay. And I, I can't remember which one of them was. I'll say five go to Karen Island. Just be <laughs> Why not? Um, I'm Grace. I use they, them pronouns. And the first book that I remember picking to read was My Secret Unicorn. And it was by Lynn Chapman. And it was... Good title. It was, it was, let me tell you, it was about a horse that was secretly a unicorn. So it, just <laughs> it was a great fucking time. I want, I want to read that. I want to know how on earth they hid that. There was a transformation involved <laughs> that had like a flower and the moon and like a magic rock. It was like, but that was a book that like I was tricked into reading not a picture book. And that was the one that like got me going on books. It was, it was cool. a good time. Okay. Excellent to Chapman. <laughs> I might get Disney on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the first book I remember reading is called... I had to Google it because I have no memory. Uh, Brambley Hedge by Jill Barklum. And it was about some mice who lived in a hedge. And it was really cute. And they all wore clothes. And it was kind of like Victorian clothing and stuff. And it wasn't... It was a picture book. one of book. them a chimney sweep? Mm. Probably, yeah. <laughs> they all had that like really like... Yeah, it was very much the, like... Um, Everyone wearing a bonnet. Like. Yeah, yeah, and petticoats and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got, and you are. Oh, yeah. Hello, <laughs> well, I'm Nemo. I use they them pronouns. Yeah. My favourite book. My first book, yeah. I was so into it. Yeah. I love it, I love it. So, yeah. um, hey, I'm Steve. I use he, him pronouns. Um... I can't remember which book I first chose to read that I hadn't already read. I kind of, the one book I remember from my childhood that I think we read 
again and again, probably with my uh, my mum and dad, and then probably read it on my own, was one called Bill's Garage. Uh, I think it was released down <laughs> south as Bill's Garage. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, just a nice little book about Bill and his garage and him helping people throughout the day. Cool. Yeah. I'm Lisa, I use she, her pronouns, and... I think probably one of the first books that I chose to read was called Winnie the Witch by Valerie oh, Thomas. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. these. There was about 15 of them, I think. And the one that I think I read first was <laughs> She Lives in a House. She's a witch. Lives in a house. <laughs> Everything is black. Um, her tables, her chairs, her walls. And she has a black cat called Wilbur. And she sits on him. <laughs> she sits on the cat? Oh my I god. So. That was a Animal twist. Cruelty. She's very distressed by this. So she thinks, what can I do? So she uses magic because she's a witch. Or uh, like, explain that. Accidentally well, he sits on the cat. I thought yeah, you meant like, as a cushion. <laughs> Accidental. Um, so wait, wait, sits on the cat and kills it. Doesn't kill it. Okay. Okay, Injures cool. <laughs> <laughs> Scares the cat. It's a scaredy cat now. And um, turns it green. And then he goes outside. And the grass is green. And she's like, what will I do? Read the book to find out. Greece, <laughs> <laughs> you have a book for us. I do indeed have a book for you all today. The book that I have for you today is um, The Widows of Eastwick Ooh. by John Updike. Talking of witches. Talking of witches, yeah. I don't know who wants to... Torsin, uh... would you like to judge this book by its cover? Tell us, tell us what the cover looks like. All right, so first of all, we have the title, The Widows of Eastwick. Towards the, I'll say the top third of the page, of the cover, and it has a sort of type font that's a little bit, I'll say, for want of a better word, witchy. If you've ever seen, <laughs> if if witchy, you, yeah, it's not better word. Well, then you have you have a frog in a teacup. That is not okay. a euphemism. This is literally <laughs> a frog, a frog in, a in a cup of tea. So like, a, like, like a china teacup, isn't it? Like a china teacup, like with a floral pattern on it, mm-hmm. like with a saucer underneath it. So very, very proper. This is a very proper frog. <laughs> so, a very proper frog is in a teacup, and then underneath it you have John Updike. And um, so that's what the front... So do I get to say what I think? Yeah. All right. The first thing I think about this is a film called The Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. The Witches of Eastwick, which was, yeah. which starred, uh, Jack, starred Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. Cher, Susan Sarandon, and, ooh, who was the, who was the third? Is it Goldie Horn? No, no, it's no, Michelle no. Pfeiffer. It's Michelle Pfeiffer, yes. Yeah. And so, first thought, I think, oh, is this a sequel? Is this a prequel? The Widows, that's interesting. Yeah. So they were witches and now they're widows. Well, mm-hmm. well actually, if you've seen the film, that's not really a spoiler. But, <laughs> but, uh, but oh, that was. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, 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 then you go to the back cover and it says the spellbinding sequel to The Witches of Eastwick. So, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so it kind of tells you there already. Steve, why don't you read us some of the blurb from the back? Um, well, apparently the Sunday Telegraph think that Updike is the master, uh, and the Guardian of what? Or inspired. <laughs> well, indeed, um, um, we may find out. We may not. Perhaps he's just really good at making cups of tea, <laughs> with, with or without frogs. frogs. Um, so, more than three decades have passed since the witches of Eastwick, Alexandra, Jane, and Suki weaved their wicked spell on the sleepy Rhode Island town. Uh, since then, the three divorcees have left, remarried, and become widows. Oh. Meeting up again, wow. they decide. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> left, remarried, and become widows. Become widows is just like a nice way of saying all of their husbands die <laughs> in, in totally I mean, non-mysterious circumstances. I'm more interested in that now. <laughs> Wait a minute, sorry, did did they have husbands in the 
the first and in the film I can't remember it's been so long since I saw the film in the, in the film the whole idea the whole premise of the film was that the devil pretty much comes to Eastwick played yeah. by Jack Nicholson and they are all essentially pretty much his wives and things take a turn for a worse and then they, they decide oh this is not the best thing being married to the devil so <laughs> so they decide to do something and get rid of him okay yeah it sounds like they've gotten rid of him. They've all gone off and gone married to other people. Yeah. It sounds like that, but yeah. Mm. And then those other people died. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Um, meeting up again, they decide to go back to Eastwick one last time. But what enchantments will they find? I mean, there's lots of lovely spell-like words. <laughs> he is indeed a master. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he wrote he probably this didn't bit. Write. <laughs> <laughs> For among the familiar streets where the witches enjoyed their status as free, lusty and empowered women, <laughs> there are those who remember them and wish them ill. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. All right. I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> Grace, over to you. May I have it? Thank you. Now, I'd like to um, give you a sense of the sort of prose that you can expect from the novel just from, from the master. From the master, by just reading out the first sentence, which I think can tell you quite a lot about the book that you're going to read. Um, Those of us acquainted with their sordid, scandalous story were not surprised to hear, by way of rumours from the various localities of where the sorceresses had settled after fleeing our pleasant town of Eastwick, Rhode Island, that the husbands of the free, godforsaken women had by their dark arts concocted for themselves did not prove durable. Is that one sentence? That is one oh, sentence. Shit. You know when you go and see a Shakespeare play and it takes you like five minutes to like get into the brain? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I, well, whatever misogynistic thing he said. That's when I was like, oh, I'm in it. Oh, now. this is what you're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. So what that basically meant was if you read the last book, when they left, soon the husbands died. Like, <laughs> Is this I mean, going to come with cliff notes? <laughs> I wish it did. I literally, I wish. Um, so you, we start off, yeah, with the idea of that, and like the prose in this is is it's quite nice. So I sort of I started off with quite a like, oh, this is going to be like I might I might enjoy reading this book. Like I'm looking forward to this. Um, we start off with um, Alexandra, who it's the most important thing that can be said about her. Um, is that she's the oldest in age and the broadest in body. Um, so you get sort of quite a strong idea of how John Updike is going to go around describing women for Mm. um, the rest of it, honestly. So the impression that you get is that each of the husbands were magicked into existence by each of their relative wives. Okay. So, So they were divorcees in the last one, fraternized with the devil. Yep murdered his wife and then each married someone else who they summoned into existence and alexandra's um, husband that she summoned um she summoned him from a hollowed pumpkin a cowboy hat and a pinch of western soil scraped from the inside the back fender of a pickup truck oh my god ideal husband <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 fucking, it's, it's great he's like he's like this sort of soft western guy <laughs> wears a cowboy hat he's got a moustache and that sort of thing this is ringing a bell <laughs> it's yeah we get some we get some quite nice 
sort of vibes like the sense that we get from him is that the the scent of clay that clung like a sepia aura to his strong and knowing hands which is kind of like a i don't know i like the idea of him with and um, he's a potter yeah so it sort of plays in in quite a fun way to the fact that she had built him from the earth you know and then he's making yeah, things yeah, from yeah, the yeah, earth yeah 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 quite like that um the, la- the th- next thing I just saw was his, his erection just began to wilt, and I was like, swell. But the idea from, like, she starts to notice that he's going to be dying, basically. He starts uh, to... Ooh, okay, gotcha. Starts to... <laughs> say go limp and the erection. the rest of the That is one doctor's appointment I would love to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get ideas of you know them visiting hospital together, and in the end, he dies of cancer. And you know, we go through the what it is like for her to be. It looks like you've only gone through like two pages. <laughs> yeah. So he's, yes. he created and died of cancer in the space of a couple of pages. Yes. The widows, yeah. Lisa, we've got to get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing, it's like, it's, you would think from that that the book gets going very quickly. Oh. oh yes. <laughs> and it does. <laughs> Although I will say one thing about, about getting rid of the husband in the first two pages. It does make a change from getting rid of the wife in the first two pages. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's the man yeah. that's fridged, not yeah. her, so yeah, yeah we'll, we can take that. Um, she decides that the thing to do as a widow is to go on holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fair. yeah. Um, and there's lots of her feeling very, feeling very lonely. She's surrounded by lots of older couples. The sense that you get, I imagine this would be a reference to the first book, she's sort of an earth mother sort of yeah vibe. i remember this yeah the three women had very di- they had very distinctive things like mm-hmm. one of them was kind of like you know the earthy one and mm-hmm. one of them was like the sex kitten and yeah and i can't remember what the third one was like the shrew i think yeah something it was something like that but it was i remember they Echoes. very they had very distinctive sort of yeah you can look at them yeah. and immediately go oh that's that's the archetype oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the archetype yeah, that they're yeah, fulfilling yeah but the, the idea that you get is that she had like as she's you know traveling around Canada, being like, "Wow, that's a mountain and things." Um, <laughs> that she awesome. had always been able to trust in nature, but um, it's sort of if she feels like it's turned her back on her. You get um, nature had been her ally in witchcraft, but still she distrusted it as a conscienceless, conscienceless killer, spendthrift, and blind. Um, so you get sort of a hint that something has caused her to turn against nature, even though she's always been able to rely on it. And because I haven't read the last book, I didn't know what it was. So I was like, ooh, we're building up to an interesting reveal here. Um, yeah, we get some really uh, wonderful choices made in this, which are really very uncomfortable. Like around her husband like goes and picks up pottery from like local native american communities and like resells it for huge amount but huge amounts because you know they don't know what it's worth and that sort of thing so you get quite a strong sense of where the book is going to be going very early on from that but that only becomes like the underlying racism and it only becomes more heavy as you go through like there's lots of really uncomfortable stuff in there's a couple on the tour one who is um malay and one who is one who is um taiwanese and like their 
accent is literalized in the book. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's really I'm pretty amazed that you've got a Malayan Taiwanese person in there. Yeah, well, they don't just go <laughs> like, ah, oh, great. Chinese people. Says, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so be specific about your racism, John Alpine. Um, just get like wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just wait. Okay, cool. I'll wait because I was about to say I actually quite like it when you have that in books where the where the way people talk is. Is what's the word you used? I said literalized. I don't know if that's. It's kind of like it's like sometimes you know when you read a Terry Pratchett. Anybody read the We Free Men ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and they write them. It's supposed to be written so almost like phonetically the way yeah, yeah. the We Free Men speak. I I quite like I I quite like that, but it could go either way. I yeah. Mean, probably when you've got the white people not being literalized, that's when it comes to be yeah. a yeah. racism thing. Yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. Than when it's only done for. The people of color. There are. I'm trying to think throughout the text. I think there's one white character for whom that is true, but maybe three or four people of color, and there's not a lot of people of color in the book. So, like, it leans negatively to me, but. Okay. So, the way I look at it is because it's English, right? And the white people speak English, uh-huh. so they might have different accents or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking about I don't know how you would literalize what they say if they're speaking English without any particular slang or anything like that. Yeah. So so. Yeah, because I know, like uh, for instance, if I was writing something being Nigerian, if I was writing something, I had the English people and they're speaking English right away. But then, if we were speaking, uh, if if we were speaking, uh, well, in Nigeria it would be pidgin, pidgin mm-hmm. English. Uh, you would write it in a different way because yeah, if yeah. you try to write it in normal letters and everything like that, it just wouldn't work. I mean, obviously, it's all murkied up because this is written by a white man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so because it's written by a white man, there is always that fear, suspicion that mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's just a racist. But yeah. on its own, I wouldn't. I wouldn't immediately look at that and say racist. I'll see what else mm-hmm. he says. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's the content of what they're saying? Yeah. Is, um, is there anything like "I love you" long time? Then, okay, sorry, case closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I when when I find some, I will I will read it. If that is what you want me to do, um, I was not going to. But, um, I'll read it. Like I'll read it to myself. I won't read it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I've just noticed noticed something on the, the page that I'm on. Um, and we suddenly get, 30 years ago, Alexandra had slayed a, a, sit, a sister witch. She and Suki Rougemont and Jane Smart had killed little Jenny Gabriel, though the death certificate blamed metastasized malignancy of the ovaries. So I'm like, wait a second, murder? What? <laughs> like, where did this come from? And I thought that's what the book was going to be. Um, hmm. um, yeah, we go on. It, the... Um, she has never quite let go of this murder, even though it happened 30 years ago, which is... It's, it's, it's like, wow, that's wild. <laughs> that affected her. Whilst on holiday, there is one other single person who is called mm-hmm. Willard McHugh, who reminds Good. her a lot of her husband. Oh, I just saw this wonderful glimpse of, of opinion from John... I, well, I keep saying opinion from John Updike. There's a sense... It, if you wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh-huh. which I'm not personally inclined to do, <laughs> but there, there's a very strong sense in the book of like the baby boomer sort of generation. So it could be argued that he's trying to 
um, present the opinions of that generation in a way where it's like, this is what people then were like. I don't think that that's what it is. I get personally. more of a feeling that he's just one of them. And that's, that's yeah, that's the way it comes across. But you get like gems in the narration, like diversity. Why do we all assume it's so good when it's uniformity that makes us all comfortable? I'd have a cushion with that stitch today. Actually. <laughs> oh no! All right, guys. Uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah. Um, okay, so we come back to Willard McHugh, um, who she... <laughs> there are some really good names in this, that's the only thing. There's one person who, the person who she used to be married to was called um, Oswald Swafford. <laughs> yes, just, okay, amazing. It's okay, it's okay, it's pretty good. Like, yeah. um, it sounds like he's just made anagrams of like real people or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very much that sort of vibe. Yeah, um, so we get this scene with um, Willard. He went on in his sugary, melancholy voice to tell her, I know what you're suffering. My partner died last year. Partner. One of those new code words, usefully bland. Willard was one of those. That's a long time, Alexandra said. She did not add for a pair of fairies that sort of, that sort of thing. Um, quite a lot of that throughout the, the rest of the text. Um, cool, 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 great. cool, great, cool. So, when he's saying she did not add for a pair of fairies, yeah, he's saying that she has a problem with gay people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, like also in the in the internal monologue earlier, she yeah she uses a slur that's associated with with gay men and specifically I don't really want to say, but um, okay, like and that's something which is used fairly frequently throughout the book. And he's around about 75 years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's an older man as well. Um, um, yeah, it's just, it's stuff like um, he asks if if she wants to go for a drink and they can have a chat and that sort of thing. And she's, and, and the, it's like, so with his orientation out in the open, he felt free to be socially aggressive and she like doesn't, she rebuffs him basically. It's, it's, yeah, it's, what? it's... Yeah, all those, all those really aggressive open gays. Yeah, you know, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Did she actually use her magic for anything other than turning a pumpkin into a husband 30 years ago? And murdering someone. Oh, yes. And getting rid of the devil. That was that, the first book, right? <laughs> in the book, that's not what happens. All right, okay, they cool. Don't, they don't get rid of him. Um, they murder the young woman because they all wanted to marry him, and he asks someone else to to marry him, so they all gang up oh, okay. and murder another young woman. Oh, alright. Um, and then it turns out that he's queer. Well, they had all you. wanted to marry this young man, um, but, you know, he's attracted to men, which means he can't be attracted to women, and also... He's bad. He's the, the devil. He's the devil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, mm, mm. Suddenly she's reading a letter at home and apparently it's two years later. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we get a letter from the first time for the, from the second witch, who's called Jane, um, saying that her husband has died as well. Wild, interesting. Who she also summoned from something or other, I can't remember what. Um, Jane and Alexandra 
decide that um, so they haven't been able to speak to each other very much they all go in different directions after uh, murdering this young woman and for, mm-hmm. for some reason they found it difficult to talk to each other um, she calls um, Jane and Jane in the end manages to convince her to go on holiday with her that's why it's two years later. Recently, yeah, that's the thing. It's like your husband dies and then you go on holiday, and that's sort of the conceit of the first hundred pages of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to wait for someone else to invite you on holiday because yes. somebody Otherwise else's husband has to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need yeah. a holiday, goddammit. Somebody died. Please, please. How, how's he feeling? Because I have a fuzzy trip. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't had an erection in a while. So. <laughs> Saving, I guess. <laughs> oh god. I said the erection is time to eat pray love. <laughs> Just imagine the Thomas Cook advert. <laughs> Has your husband not had an erection for three days? <laughs> Christ. We know what's coming. <laughs> um Jane is actually the oh, the um the white person I mentioned who has a um literalized I'm saying literalized, I don't know whether I that's have no idea do you know what I mean? Like Maybe phoneticized. Yeah, that seems more accurate than what I was saying. Um, but she has a lisp. Ah. Right. So it's ableism. <laughs> There's more of that to come, too. <laughs> um, they spend some time in um, Egypt. I think the main thing that you're meant to take away from it is that there's a lot of things about the idea about how people can process death, basically. They spent a lot of time going in to the pyramids and looking at the way that the um, ancient Egyptians used to process death mm-hmm. and how that was an influential part of their culture. Um, but, like, there's lots of... Yeah, there's more um, really racist stuff, um, lots of stuff that talks about, like, um, Islamist terrorism, never knowing when there will be a knife from under the next veil, stuff like that. Um, Good. Yeah, great. More of more of that um, from John Updike. Said in the 60s, you said 60s, 70s. Yeah. Oh no, it is in this holiday, actually, yes. Um, we get bats flickered through the darkening sky. Jane extended her arm towards them and pronounced in an even harsher, deeper voice than her usual one the lethal words, Mortibus, Mortibus, Necessae Est, Saubeth, Elkim, Messiachen, Yod, Audite, and she kills one of the bats. And um, Alexandra, you know, just, Jane, why, uh, why did you do that? And Jane says, to see if I still could. All of those phony spells on the temple walls pissed me off a little. The poor innocent bat, it wasn't a little to him. Don't be sentimental, angel. You know what a heartless stew nature is. Think of the dragonflies I just saved from being crunched by those nasty poor teeth. Mm. And there's the sort of the... Um, Alexandra starts talking about, you know, whether... Why doesn't she feel any guilt towards oh, what they had done? But she does, because Jane is mean. So she just does it for fun? There's just no... to see if she still could. Oh, okay. It does seem like a lot of trouble to go to just to kill a bat. Yeah, they have to say <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... There's lots of hinted at homoeroticism between the three women. Um, you know, she tucked a hint of a smile to, into her left cheek, and there in the ramshackle international airport, the two wicked women, not quite kissing each other on the lips, it, em- embraced and parted. There's a letter from Suzanne Mitchell. My husband. 
Yes, honey, to get pick up on that. Yeah, there we go. I don't know if this happened to you guys, but my husband's penis recently just flopped. So, page one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages of a letter from Suki. And then she gives her a call. Yes, yes, yeah, actually. Suki is a. She started off as a journalist, but what she does now is writes like basically bodice rippers. Um, she writes like bawdy books for women to read in airports, I guess. Um, <laughs> so Suki is a reader. Um, Jane plays the cello, and um, Alexandra is a is a potter. So it's a sort of thing that the idea is that each of them is an artist because. Um, supposedly, the idea behind the Witches of Eastwick was about John Updike, the most qualified person to do this, um, exploring what it is to be an empowered, enlightened, enlightened is the word that they used, um, woman in that period of time. So there's lots of sexual promiscuity and the devil and witchcraft, and they do art. Um, and the art that the art that Alexandra does is of like. Clumsy um, female forms with like big curvaceous breasts and like Volvo incisions made, and, and it's just like okay, great, cool. I'm glad that womanhood is that's what that's what that is. On the flip side, he's given the book female protagonists. He's tried, <sighs> failed maybe. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's lots of there's lots of biological essentialism in the book um, in a way which is. Which is delightful. Um, I expect biological essentialism. Yeah. So assuming that trans people don't exist, and a woman is somebody who has a womb and breasts, and a man is someone with a penis. So biological essentialism. Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. So biologically, that's what determines what gender you are, kind of thing. Yeah. So okay. it's it's a an anti-trans ideology, basically. Out of curiosity, have you read anything that? Uh, I'm not sure what the opposite of biological essentialism would be, but have you read anything that has that? Trans positive. All right, yeah, but have you read mm. anything that you that you think okay, that's because it's it's a it's an idea that interests me. Is like how because obviously we've used these for so mm. long. How would you go away from that, or how would you how would you represent? Have you read anything that has done that well? Yeah, yeah. Maybe a conversation for later, because I could go on for a while. About <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Good, no problem, no problem. If you're looking for um, texts that would do that, I would recommend um, reading works from trans writers, especially. All um, right. I would say we can uh, we can get a list together and we'll put it in sh- in the show notes for this episode. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, that good. So we resume coming back into um, Suki's massively long letter where. We get this sort of idea of her, like, beautiful and very, like, you know, the, the hot one, basically, like you were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she, the, the she's sex a, kitten, yeah. Yeah, right. she's, she's that one. And um, when Alexandra and her went for dinner earlier on, um, like, I say earlier on, I mean, like, years ago, um, she saw Suki as someone who was sort of reduced, like, her personality sort of compressed by the larger personality of her husband, Lenny, who was a, a salesman. And um, Lenny has died. Um, oh. Erections flagged. 
and um, they've decided to all through a, uh, a large phone call um, they all decide to go on holiday no and, yeah which is well it's what you do I've heard yeah. so Suki created a husband who treated her like crap yeah alright you know <laughs> yeah well it's sort of it's it, it it says that they created their husbands, but then it also describes them having very full lives before, and we meet some of their other relatives. It's sort of this- Like imp- the husband's relatives? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's sort of this, imp- this like quite loosely gestured towards sort of thing where they summoned, summoned them from these somewhere. lives into being fully formed. With a full backstory almost. and everything. Yeah, like they really exist, but it's also mm-hmm. very firmly put that these women made made these made yeah, these yeah. all right um, I guess it's easier than like if your husband suddenly mentions someone you go all right I'm just gonna nip outside oh, and sh- make them <laughs> <laughs> oh no I've got to make up a granny <laughs> yeah so they all decide to go on holiday together um, again where and, did they go um, China yeah. All the time. Good. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next. I imagine specific. this will go well. It, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm going to skim over most of it because I'm sure you can sort of mostly imagine what the vibe is. They go to the Great Wall of China, you know, the thing that's in China, um, you know. Um, and I mean, there's... we see when they're on these holidays and they're like catching up with people, not yeah. maybe not the first holiday, but yeah. you know, they're seeing people that they used to know really well. And yeah. do they talk about their feelings or anything? Or loosely, there's quite a sort of a there's quite a tense relationship between all of them because they've not seen them each other for a very long time. Mm. And there's sort of this idea that when it's just the two of them, there's not ever very much spark, um, and they find it difficult to be around each other. They all clash, but when it's the three of them, you know, united, um, the their power sort of comes together, and they all balance each other out. Well, that sounds but... like my experience recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you might be experiencing a cone of power. <laughs> that's the mm-hmm, that's the new title for this show. <laughs> oh, cone of power. <laughs> Yeah, they, they clash quite a lot, like Jane snores, apparently, but like, Jane is quite um, quite a grating sort of character. Um, Alexandra is sort of softer, is more careful trying to balance the group out, and um, Suki is hot. <laughs> she's like the she's like the innocent childlike one. So oh, you get great. and also hot and also hot. You know, <laughs> you know, because children. Yeah. <laughs> the I think the dynamic that they're trying to build is the you know the sort of the modern mother maiden crone um, thing. In oh, gotcha. So with yeah. Alexandra being the the sort of the crone figure, um, Jane being the sort of the. It's more like a nagging sort of mum, which I think says more about how John Updike sees that characterization than like how it's necessarily intended. Mm-hmm. And then the the, the maiden, yeah. the maiden as the hot one. So I guess there is like there's an inversion of each, in a sort of a, I, okay, I'm not going to say an inversion because that suggests it's positive. A twisting of each <laughs> of each archetype in in, in mm. an interesting way. Um, these three women are now united in their power again and using it to torment the people around them. And that's where chapter one ends. Chapter two is called uh, Maleficia Revisited, which is what they call like all of their their wicked magic acts. Mm. 
basically. Um, each of the women have children. Mentioned <laughs> Apparently they're all, um, they were all quite negligent parents. They all have children in that time. <laughs> yes. yeah, they absolutely. also died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and hence chapter two. Yeah. Chapter three, the pets. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, they all have quite bad relationships with their children because the idea is obviously that like um, awakened women only care about themselves so they don't raise their children properly and mm. then their children become terrible people. Um, to be fair, their dad was a pumpkin, some of them. <laughs> what are you going to do, you know? I mean, specifically a hollowed out pumpkin and a cowboy hat. <laughs> so, Alexandra gets a, a phone call from her oldest um, child saying, Oh, I heard that you were looking for properties to rent in Eastwick. And Alexandra's like, No. But apparently, um, Jane has gone around and has gone and told. Um, uh, Alexandra's children. Alexandra's oldest daughter, who still lives in Eastwick, that yeah. they will that they're going to be visiting, and which then probably um, there's lots of playing on of uncomfortable daughterly motherly relationships. Um, apparently, the, the the oldest daughter is not very attractive, so that's she's been bitter about that her whole life, basically, um, and that's sort of her main defining feature. Um, don't call me darling. It's too late for darling. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bitch. My mother just happened to be a May Queen, a nice big queen bee full of royal jelly, and I'm a plain worker bee, a wallflower. Um, that's not true, um, darling, Marcy. You're very attractive. You were a perfect baby. How old is the eldest daughter? I think Alexandra had her kids at 24, so they're oh, yeah. still fit. They're quite old now, I guess. 50s. 50s. Yeah. Maybe getting to sixties now since it's been like yeah. five years. Yeah, all of the women are all in their seventies. They're all mid to late seventies. Yeah. Um, eventually, they decide to go back to Eastwick with lots of reticence from um, from Alexandra. She doesn't feel comfortable about it because she's she's worried about revisiting the old. Like, the impression that we get is that lots of the people in Eastwick. Think that they're witches, like know that they're witches, and they're worried about going back and confronting that. Alexandra is worried about going back and confronting that. Um, validly, they murdered someone. They killed yeah. someone. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah, I think. Like, I think... do the people in the town know that the witches killed the the woman? Do they care? There's no like. There's no. These women killed, but everyone sort of thinks that they did. Right. Like, there is... When we get to the plot, <laughs> someone thinks... Someone knows that. But, okay. like, it's all sort of... Like, it's, again, a bit like the sort of thing with the husbands where it's, like, loosely people know, but also it's not out in the open, I guess. Why are they so keen to go back, viewers? They want to rediscover their power, like, their... They think that by going back, they will be able to reclaim an aspect of their lost youth and power, basically. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know. Okay, from what we're going through at the moment, they try to bring this back to TV. They start, uh, there was a TV series just called Eastwick, um, done a couple of years back. I can mm. see why they didn't last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
nothing's happening. <laughs> so I, I honestly feel like nothing's happening so far. No, no, no. <laughs> literally, <laughs> we arrive in Eastwick with no announcement in the same way as we departed from the holidays with mm. no with no announcement. And um, we get introduced to Tommy, um, who was one of Suki's affairs that she had while in Eastwick. She was very attracted to him because he was significantly younger than her. Um, Tommy now, of course, is a older man who, um, like, has, has, like, a belly and a ponytail and a couple of missing teeth. And also um, where he works on the dock, because um, Eastwick is by the sea, um, he has in his oh god i i just looked down and the description like i'm gonna i'm gonna present this because i think it gives you an an idea of what i've gone through reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, with a live live throb in her hand like that of a captured bird toby or tommy came pumping out a viscid ropey semi-transparent white substance the ambrosial eggy tasting food of a savage goddess gobs of it and so the embarrassed these boys looked at her smeared dazed face as she crouched there hungry for more wait wait was that Boys? toby or tommy Apparently, there's one called Toby and one called Tommy. Oh, there's so both had a similar sort of vibe to them. The one that she's talking to at the minute is called Tommy. They were were they both present when she no, was? No, that would be a bit gay. <laughs> is this happening it, it, now? Or is this from no, the this is a flashback. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what is happening on the street? Sorry, yeah. this, is, this is her thinking uh, about <laughs> thinking about their. Encounters. Hey, I mean, seventy-five-year-olds are asking like, "What?" And they do. But did she say she was there while they looked down at her after the eggy thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were they were embarrassed by the by the eggy thing and to to look at her smeared, dazed face. Oh, she's saying that on each the, of them. Oh, each They're of them on separate was, occasions. Yes. Also, oh, mm. right. They're all living in a condo together. Um, Jane is sort of getting slowly more and more, like even shorter tempered, and um, like is but seem her health seems to be quite quickly going downhill. No more boners either. <laughs> well, that's what happens, that's what happens before you before you before you die. Um, um, yeah, Jane keeps getting like small electric shocks, basically in very sort of strange ways, and she's like her health is starting to go. I'm quite seriously downhill, and you're like, is this a hint of plot? Um, <laughs> they go to a, they go to a, a a concert, and there's um, someone else who someone had had an affair with wife there. He's also dead now, but she's still. Wow, this really is a pattern. Um, Greta, who is. German and actually she's white and her accent is is um, phoneticized in a in a strange way so it's not just the people of color I guess um, anyone who's foreign basically um, but Greta is is really like it hates Jane who was sleeping with her husband Ray and she seems very very angry about that because um, Jane is very mean Jane's mean. We, in the church where the concert was happening, we get introduced to the vicar, who is this young, attractive, 
um, white woman, and as if flashily possessed by a male devil, Suki entered, entertained a vision of this gracious woman naked, of that compact, precise body bared as white as virtue itself, even as Suki politely gave her own name in return. So there's more of the sort of like homoeroticism of the women brought back. And um, Alexandra jealously notices Suki's arousal, um, burdening her fragile ble- um, breathing. So there's a sort of a strange dynamic there, but it's not gay. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. So when it's the men, it's like, Ooh. but when the women... Yeah. yeah well, it's cool. if it's lesbians, it's sexy. If it's gays, it's not. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how it is. But it's also, it's not gay. No. Later on... It's lesbianism, that's different. Cool. Lesbianism no, for men. The, the so. thing is, though, it's like, we see women who they describe as, like, words that people who don't identify that way shouldn't use about lesbians um, mm. to describe them. And, like, that's perceived as very negative. Like, you know, the very butch lesbian woman is very, very negative. And, there's l- and, even, and these women describe them like that. But it's okay with these ones. And, at, like, right at, the, right at the end, I'm going to talk about it now because it's easier. Um, right at the end, it's revealed that... Um, like they used to get each other off and stuff sometimes, but like it wasn't gay. No, it's like that like sixties sexual liberation thing, which isn't mm. gay. It's just a bit of harmless lesbianism. Mm. Well, I'm like it, it's the thing where it's like yeah, we did that, but and you know we married our men, but we we're not bi. It's just you know a little bit of fun that we had. It's okay, fine, whatever. It's page one hundred and fifty two, and we. The plot is here. <laughs> like, oh. we have the plot. Um, we come to someone writing a letter to someone else. It's very aggressively it's very written. Plot, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it's saying um, the letter is, they are here, all three of them bold as they please. Um, it says where they're staying. Um, and it says, kill them. Kill them as they once did your innocent sister kill. Um, I advise the dark one to be first. There is always in her, already in her aura, an unhealthy, rotten look. Um, evil must not unpunished go. Is it written by Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She pictured in, hi- in him the person that she's writing the letter to, the radiant one, eternally young, his fair hair curly and some painting from the Catholic religion of her youth. So you think, who could this be? Witchfinder General. Yeah. Oh, that would be so so much a better book. Um, it's G- well, I, I figured at this point it's probably Gina, the husband, mm-hmm. the wife of. Um, of um, Catholic, Catholic Joe. Um, yeah, Jane is getting more and more ill. Like, she keeps complaining about these electric shocks, but no one really believes her. Everyone sort of, like, says that she's just being fussy. She's just being Jane, you know? It's always in her ribs. Um, so, I mean, that sounds like a heart attack to me. Well, it's, it's in, like, her <laughs> abdominal sort of okay. area. Mostly is where it sort of it, it, it happens. Um... Jane walks past someone. Um, (laughs) And this is the sort of plot that you get from this book. (laughs) Chills. Wow, yeah. Um, She sees a shape walking past her on the sidewalk. Um, He's tall, a little heavy, silvery somehow, androgynous. (laughs) And he says, hello, Jane, in this fake actor's voice. An androgynous fake actor's voice, Alexandra mocked, deadpan. Um, Is it David Bowie? Uh, <laughs> same energy. Same, yeah, yeah. Same, very same energy. Um, 
And when Jane turns to look at this man, um, she gets a shock, but not as much as the one that she had had by the telephone pole. Um, what was the devil? Is it the guy? It's not the devil, because oh. the devil left Eastwick. Okay. Um, they don't know who this man is. Um, but he left a really strong impression with Jane and also shocked her as she walked past. So, like... Devil's son. <laughs> the thing is, boyfriend. I've just got this idea. I've just got the idea of him with a, like a cattle prod. <laughs> it's really strange because he tries to make it a mystery, but they, he make, it's so heavy-handed. Like, he, like he just can't keep it in. Like, um, and so they they decide to resurrect uh, to attempt resurrection of their supernatural skills, but they've been very firm about the fact that it has to be white magic. It has to be the good kind of magic, um, which is white magic, <laughs> um, of course. And Alexandra is left in their condo on their own to set up the ceremony. And there's quite a lovely description, actually, of her using these quite mundane objects that she's found throughout the town. It's, I think she uses it, she makes like a magic circle with like washing powder and makes like an altar with like an oak chopping board that they had found in the room. And it's quite this sort of like strange, like very tangible sort of description, which is, it's, it's, it's quite a nice, it's quite a nice scene. Um, I think that's the first positive thing you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Might be the last. While we've yeah. been recording. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the other two come in to this and they of course do the um, ceremony naked because of course they do. Um, it's but what witches do. It's what mm-hmm. witches do. Um, and so it's in the bylaws. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't get the clothes dirty because they've used all the washing powder. And it can't be the bylaws because they're not by the straight. Yeah, they start to they start to do the ceremony. They walk around the circle in the way which is not evil, and then clockwise. Um, <laughs> <each>, then <laughs> yes, actually, yeah, um, and they each of them chooses a tarot card to burn that represents the person that they want to help and uh, eventually we get to um, Jane and she chooses a card and emits a strangled noise that sucks the gaze of the two others to her face it looked congested congested and wrapped Um, her expression seemed indignant and then her eyes rolled back in their sockets her open mouth turned black with overflowing blood and she she drops to the ground unconscious Um, and the the last thing that she says is shit it hurts they call the emergency services and it's chapter three which is called guilt and i can never remember how to say that word assuaged assuaged yeah Yeah. Yeah. thank you very much um jane dies um they take her to the hospital okay that wasn't signposted at all i know it's wild (laughs) yeah she she dies alexandra is keeps having similar sorts of things happening to her she starts having these electric shocks and starts becoming more and more ill and what it turns out is that this young man that jane bumped into on the street is actually the brother of jenny gabriel the young woman that they killed Uh, yes yeah and so he's like queer in some way but is attracted to suki he comes to them and says that basically that alludes to the fact that he killed Jane and is going to kill the rest of them. Um, and what Suki does is seduces him to try and stop him from killing Alexandra, basically. Um, 
at some point they all have like drinks together and they're all like this very strange scene where Suki's trying to seduce him and Alexandra's really uncomfortable because he's trying to murder her and like <laughs> they're trying to get him drunk and it's like a third wheel yeah, <laughs> like ooh not again I guess um, Suki seduces this man and stays with him and that's her punishment is that she has to spend the rest of her life with this man that she doesn't love that like is only a little bit straight so you know can't truly love her um but so, once her around yeah um christopher i think his name is and um but Christopher went there with the idea to kill them all. Then he's not even into her, but then just says, yeah, okay, we can Well, he, he wants to be straight. Oh, okay. Oh, of course it is. Right, yeah. You know? Because um, yeah. he's be, not really being straight. gay, so yeah. that's not okay. Yeah. Well, also, like, he's clearly bi. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. and she's clearly bi. And um, it ends with, yeah, this... Uh, Alexandra has been started to make pottery again. Um, Suki has written her a letter and then calls her and asks if they want to go away on holiday. <laughs> oh. oh my god. I, I, got, I, got, I like that. That's yeah. a good, like, final line. Yeah, yeah. it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. So a lot of dead men in holiday. Yep. Wow, so not really not a lot happens. No, genuinely. <laughs> I mean, apart from all of the deaths, the trips to foreign yeah. countries, yeah. the... Yeah, the granny's going down a glacier at some point. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, I actually was like, oh, I'm interested. Like, when you read that first line, I was actually like, oh, I might read that. But now, I'm sorry, it's bored the hell out of me. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it it's like, for something that, if you gave, like, the headlines, mm. that has a lot seems to happen. It just seems like mm. it's just mostly of no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I don't think I even have anything else to say about it. Like, I'm masterful, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's left me, like, drained. Oh. <laughs> I had to read it. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sorry. Honestly, you should be. <laughs> like, um, so I'm, I think we've kind of covered it already, but yeah. I feel like I need to be official about it. Yeah. Uh, Tosin, would you recommend this book to to anyone? No, from what we've heard over the last what hour and a bit, no. Nemo. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Steve? Only if I really didn't like someone. <laughs> Lisa? No, no, I wouldn't, no. No. Mm. No, well, Grace, you're not successful yeah. in the podcast. But, yeah. Um, I choose the books, mm. but I don't. I have no idea what the content what of them is like. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't yeah. read the blurb or synopsis yeah. or anything, so mm. I'm, I'm giving it to you pretty blind. So apologies for all of the offence caused. Because yeah. yeah, there's a fuck ton of it. It's just a fuck ton of really unpleasant. Like, it's it's just it's pre- presented as so pedestrian. It's like mm. so hideously obnoxious, white straight cisgender book in a way that's just like deeply unpleasant. <laughs> Wrapped up in like some quite nice prose in a way which is like worse. <laughs> yeah. So that is your honesty box bit. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the first book was like because. Uh, Obviously, the screenwriter must have gone to a lot of trouble if the plot is similar to this one. Apparently, apparently it was more transgressive and interesting, but I don't like that was from reviews that I read. Also, transgressive and interesting when it was written in the 60s. Yeah, exactly, which means that it could just be shit and gross again. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. Well, thank you very much. 
Nice. Uh, again, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, one la- very last thing. Tosin, tell us about your podcast. Oh, all right, cool. It's Netflix versus cinema. So it's this all came about because I've done a couple of podcasts. All of them are all about movies. So we did old movies, current movies, and now we... Somebody started men- mentioned once that nowadays there's not a lot of people who go to the cinema. And a lot yeah. of people still like, want rather, instead of going to the cinema, rather stay at home or watch something on a streaming service or something. It's essentially an excuse for us to watch a whole bunch of films. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it's me and two friends on the Isle of Wight. So what we do is each week we we have like a, a sort of cinematic boxing match. So to say we have three rounds and we watch three films in the cinema, uh-huh. watch three things on a streaming service. We rate them all out of five and we get an average and say, okay, this week, where have we go more bang for our buck? Has it been in Netflix or has it been on cinema? And so, and uh, then we talk up and we say, who's won that week? Cool. Yeah. Hi again. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the tag at RepresentedPod. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and most of your podcasting apps. I have a bunch of announcements to make this month. As Tosin mentioned, he makes a podcast of his own, Netflix vs. Cinema. And he has a new episode going out the same day as this one, which you can listen to. Grace is appearing in Agents of the Nine Hells, a role-playing adventure show made by Adventurers Wanted, the excellent company who kindly loan us the equipment we use to record our show. That's going to be streamed on the official Dungeons & Dragons Twitch channel every Monday until the 16th of December. Nemo and Grace also make another podcast together, Bread and Barricades, where they're working their way through the Victor Hugo novel Les Mis. Lisa is a stand-up comedian and she has a whole bunch of gigs coming up, so here we go. 18th November, the Old Crown Pub in Holborn. The 20th of November, the Star of the East in Limehouse. 27th in the Grafton. 29th, Underdogs in the Canvas Cafe in Spitalfields. The 3rd of December in the George and Charing Cross. The 5th of December in Chando's Arms. The 9th of December in Zebranos in Soho. And the 12th of December in the Constitution in Camden. And on top of all of that, she will be doing improv comedy with Amorcus Horse's Happy Place on the 28th of November in the castle in Aldgate, and with The Descendants on the 30th of November and the 11th of December in the Miller Pub in London Bridge. If you want to know more about any of that, you can follow her on Facebook and Twitter under at Lisa Ronigan, or on Instagram with at LisaRonigan.alabasteractor. Steve didn't want me to mention anything, but he's an actor that you can hire to do actually things, if that's a service that you require. And finally, as we talked about in the show, Nemo has put together a reading list of transpositive authors and books and stuff to read, and that will get added to the show notes along with links to all of the above. Don't forget about our live show, it's free and it doesn't work without you, so if you can make it, please come along, and who knows, maybe the extra pressure of an audience will force me to spontaneously come up with a decent sign-off. Bye. Bye.